0: How to streamline your job search. That's the topic on today's public record podcast. I'm managing editor Ken Allen. If you ask 100 people about how to conduct a job search, you'll probably get about 100 different conflicting answers. But if you follow the proven path of least resistance, you'll end up with a job sooner than later. The process I'm going to share with you today is more focused on managerial professionals who already have some work experience, but if you're a recent graduate, I'll circle back with some tips that will help you jumpstart your career. Let's dive right in. Step one, we're going to make a list of skills and responsibilities employers are looking for. Gather about 10 job postings you qualify for and include a few postings that are the next career step up. Now, sit down on a computer with a spreadsheet program and write each skill or responsibility in the first column, one item per cell. I suggest you have a friend or mentor help you with this step. Two heads are better than one. Next, sort the spreadsheet alphabetically to remove duplicates. We want to end up with 60 to 100 items. Now go through this list and eliminate those skills that you can't claim. There shouldn't be too many. Finally, we're going to rank these skills by their value to an employer. Use a five-point scale, five being the most valuable, one being the least. So a common skill like the ability to use Microsoft Office or typing would be a one. However, if the job requires advanced Excel skills, that might be a four or five. Use your best judgment. Then, sort this list by the skills, so that we can see the most valuable skills first with a score of 5 to 1. Step 2, we're going to create your resume. So gather your previous resume and any other information we'll need to fill this out. We're going to use LinkedIn to create your online and printed resume. This has several benefits. There's just one place to maintain any updates. This eliminates the problem of different resumes not having exactly the same data. Minor discrepancies between documents drive certain recruiters crazy. When you start contacting hiring managers by email, you can just send them a link to your LinkedIn resume. If you send emails with attachments, many recipients won't open them for fear of viruses. The PDF version of your resume will be compatible with applicant tracking systems in the event you need to make an online application. Fill out your LinkedIn profile with these tips in mind. Don't go back more than 10 years, unless you're in a medical, legal, or academic field. You need to be proactive in preventing age discrimination. Do not fill out dates of school attendance. It's sufficient to say you graduated. It's too easy to calculate your age from your graduation dates. If the employer is persistent, be equally firm in your response. Say something like, I'll be happy to provide you with that information at the appropriate time in the process, but I need to ensure age is not a consideration in the hiring process. Be sure you have a professional headshot. Don't take a selfie with your smartphone don't wear hats or jewelry or pose with your pet. This is one place where you should consider spending a little money on a professional photographer. Publicity headshots can play a key role in advancing your career. Now onto your duties and responsibilities. This is where you're going to use those skills we worked up in step one. So let's say you have three jobs to list. Take the top ten the most valuable skills and assign those to your most recent job. Now you'll have to use your best judgment if some of these don't fit and move them to an earlier job. Then assign the next 10 skills to the second job and so on. Don't waste any space duplicating skills. We want to showcase the maximum range of skills. Note that resume scanning software scores candidates on the number of matches it finds. When you're done, proofread it carefully and have someone else review it too. Then go to the More button on your profile page there at LinkedIn. That's the first frame right under your name and title. And select Print PDF. Now you have a hard copy of your resume you can email to people. You can also print this out to take to interviews. What about... Quantifying results. Many career guides suggest you use phrases like increased sales 250%. Well, first off, any savvy manager is going to question these claims. Few people work in isolation. Was the salesperson individually responsible for the sales increase? Or is he simply taking credit for the results of a new ad campaign or a hot new product? If you can truly take ownership of startling statistics, save these for your cover letter leave the scarce resume real estate to list as many skills as you can. Step three, leveraging your career network. Now at this point, you've got your resume done and you may be thinking, oh boy, let's start looking at those job postings and fill out online applications. The statistics show that the odds of finding a job online are pretty slim. About 80% of managerial and professional jobs are filled through the back door of networking. So as counterintuitive as it may seem, streamlining your job search means focusing on networking. Now let's go back to the computer and make a new spreadsheet of everyone you know who can help you in your job search. Again, having a friend or mentor is helpful for brainstorming. Record their name in the first column. Identify friends, family, work colleagues, past and present, people you work with in social clubs, churches, and volunteer organizations. And don't forget vendors. They're probably calling on people who have your same job at multiple companies and have an inside track to any new job openings. It's to their advantage that you take those jobs as they already have a relationship with you. When you've made your list, rank your contacts with the same 5 to 1 scoring method and sort the spreadsheet. This will help you focus on the most promising contacts first. Now you're going to start sending an email to each of these folks with a brief note and the web address of your LinkedIn profile. Remember do not send the PDF and avoid the temptation to send a generic email blast. Your note should say something like, Hi Joe, I'm starting a job search for the next chapter of my career. I'm writing to ask if you can think of a firm that might benefit from my skill set. I'd appreciate any referrals. I'm including a link to my LinkedIn resume below. Feel free to refer this email or, if you prefer, send me the name and email address of any good prospects. I want to stress that you need to send an email to your networking contacts. Do not phone. Phone calls are intrusive, and people are busy. You're likely to get a response like, Oh, gee, I can't think of anyone off the top of my head. Let me think about it. Then you never hear back from them, and they have no resume to look at and nothing to forward to someone who might want to hire you. Step four, expand your network. What if you don't know a lot of people? Well, you'll have to make the most of the resources you have. Does your current employer belong to any chambers of commerce, trade groups, or service clubs? Are they involved with any charities and volunteer organizations? A lot of businesses pay good money to join these groups, but never attend the meetings. So volunteer to represent your company. Ask the people in your network what groups they belong to and see if you can join them at their next meeting as their guest. As a last resort, you can usually attend meetings as a guest without membership, for a short period of time, and perhaps a small admission fee. You can use the business card from your current employer, but if you're going to a lot of meetings and mixers, I suggest you have some personal business cards printed up with your name, key skills, LinkedIn web address, email, and phone number. This makes it clear you're looking for a job. Step 5. Preparing for the Interview With any luck, a hiring manager has contacted you for an interview. Never do a cold call interview on the phone. You're not prepared, and it's likely they've called you at your current job, so this is not the time or place. It's okay to answer a few screening questions, but you need to schedule a phone appointment at a time when you can talk in private and have your notes in front of you. You also need some time to research the company that's called. Your time is valuable, so don't waste a vacation day on an interview that's not a hot prospect. It's better to have a screening interview by phone to see if you and the employer are on the same page. What are they looking for? Confirm your key skills match their needs. Are there any deal breakers, like a requirement to be bilingual? When are they looking to make a decision? How many other candidates are on the shortlist? Is there going to be a delay to post the job online? If the hiring horizon is far into the future, it's best to defer an in-person interview until they're down to the last three candidates. Avoid cattle call auditions. Avoid panel interviews. Now I'm going to give you a powerful strategy for preparing for the interview. We're going to employ the same method that corporate spokespersons and CEOs use when being interviewed by reporters. In advance of these interviews, they sit down with their public relations advisors and create a set of talking points. These are the sound bites they want the audience to take away. Now, it's going to take you some time to prepare and memorize your talking points, but once you have them down, you'll be in total control of your messaging, no matter what gimmicks the interviewer employs to catch you off guard. The talking points are going to be crafted from a combination of those top skills we identified in step one and connected to the mission-critical needs of the business that you uncovered during your research on the company. It's beyond the scope of this podcast to go into detail about how to craft talking points, but I'll give you a quick demo of how this works. Suppose your interviewer asks, Tell me about yourself. Now, he's not looking for an answer like, I was born on a small farm in Iowa, and I spent my youth harvesting corn. No, no. You lead with your most powerful talking point. Well, I know you're about to introduce a new widget, and I just helped launch a similar product at my current company, and we exceeded our forecast by 220%. You see, you're tying your skills to the needs of the company. And remember, the company doesn't care about your needs. It's all about their needs. Watch video interviews with CEOs and politicians paying attention to their well-scripted talking points. With every question the reporter asks, they will return to their talking points and stay on point. Once you've made up a trial set of talking points, have a friend do a mock interview with you. Record the interview so that you can review it later. Watch your body language and tone of voice. If you encountered questions that didn't work with your talking points, modify them. Your talking points will also help you keep the interview from veering off into your personal life. Your private life should not be part of any job interview. If you get a lot of personal questions, take that as a red flag. Are they hiring you for your skills or to be a playmate for the boss? Your job security depends on the value you contribute to the bottom line. This is a business not a nursery school. Keep your age out of the discussion. If the hiring manager says he enjoys playing tennis, don't say, yeah, my grandson likes to play too. Instead say, I work out at the gym three times a week. Before we leave the discussion of interviews, let's talk about what to wear. It's best to adopt a conservative style. No jewelry. Yes, take off your wedding band. Keep your marital status off the table. Ladies, your makeup should be subtle. Avoid having any strong fragrances, not just from cologne, but also from soaps and aftershaves. You should be scent neutral. If you just had lunch, be sure to brush your teeth and freshen your breath. After the interview, send a quick email thanking the manager for his time and recap the next steps. What about online job search? You're probably wondering about applying to jobs online and filling out those applicant tracking system applications. My advice is stick to your networking, unless you feel you've completely exhausted that avenue. Don't send your resume to the HR department, unless you're applying for a job in the HR department. I know that seems counterintuitive, but it's easy to prove why the HR department is the path of greatest resistance. Suppose an employer could only ask candidates one question to qualify or disqualify them for a job. What question would that be? Here's a hint. We did it in the first exercise. What skills do you have that match the skills we need for the job? That's it. That's all they need to know. Now I want you to think about those online applications. How much space do they give you to list your skills and responsibility? It's usually a postage stamp-sized box next to each job you've had. Maybe you can put in 12 words. So this is why we want to do our own resume and really showcase our skills. Also, when you're doing your own resume, you can preempt discrimination by keeping that kind of information off the table, such as your age and address. Now, as part of the hiring process, you may be asked to fill out an application as a business formality. Some HR people feel the application carries more legal weight than a resume, but try to delay doing an application until you at least have a verbal job offer, because the application will force you to disclose all kinds of information that should not be considered in the hiring process. So maintain control as long as you can. Now, tips for students. Let me circle back to those who are just starting your careers, just getting out of school. One of the unhappy surprises new graduates discover is that all those so-called entry-level positions require two to five years of experience. And they mean experience in that profession. So you need to start getting that experience long before you graduate. I suggest you start this process as soon as you enter high school, because the more experience on your resume, the better. If you want to work in an accounting firm, you need to find a CPA firm or similar professional office that needs routine clerical work done. Copying, filing, making coffee, emptying the trash, transcribing dictation, and so on. Also, as a student, I want you to start building your professional network brainstorm with your high school or college counselor about ways you can leverage your status as a student to meet business leaders, preferably in your chosen field, and maybe even earn course credit or find internships. For example, maybe you can work with your English or journalism teacher to write an article on a business. Get the business cards of every manager you meet. Once you graduate, you lose all your leverage to meet these insiders. Tips for online searches. If you feel you must apply for jobs online, start with LinkedIn. It has the most robust search engine. Eliminate jobs with more than 10 applicants. You're wasting your time competing with 300 other candidates. Give preference to jobs that will take LinkedIn's one-click application. Now, you may encounter a questionnaire. Use the questionnaire to assess the quality of the company's management. They should ask no more than 10 questions. They should ask intelligent questions related to the skills needed for the job. Watch out for questions that red flag abusive practices, such as, Are you willing to work nights and weekends? Don't hesitate to abort at any point and move on. You may also find you can't submit a one-click application without completing your dates of school attendance in your profile. This is not negotiable, so abort and move on. You're not only exposing your age to this employer, but to everyone who sees your profile. Many large firms use third-party applicant tracking systems, or ATS. I'll give you fair warning that you're likely to encounter problems with these systems, and when you do, your best bet is to cut your losses and move on. If you feel compelled to complain, send a diplomatic letter outlining the problem to the CEO of the company, along with your resume at a request to send it directly to the hiring manager. Of course, one letter won't have much impact, but if 12 people complain in one month, the CEO might demand an inquiry. Keep online postings in proper perspective. Companies often post jobs that are already filled in order to comply with various labor and union regulations. Sometimes jobs are posted to gather resumes for speculative work, like government contracts that the employer may or may not win. You'll also find many blind listings. These are jobs where you don't know who the actual employer is. Companies often hide their job postings this way, so the employee who currently holds the position isn't made aware he's about to be let go. You can't do your research on a company that you can't identify. Unfortunately, LinkedIn and other job boards do not have a sort feature to remove these third-party listings. What about temporary agencies for work experience? The main problem here is you'll have to list the agency rather than the employer on your resume, which greatly undermines the impact to future hiring managers. Temporary agencies tend to be highly bureaucratic, requiring you take a lot of silly assessment tests to check a box on your record. They're best used as an emergency employer to keep you from having employment gaps on your resume. But it's best to work for principals or do temporary work as an independent contractor. Just be aware that becoming self-employed may disqualify you from claiming unemployment benefits. Your best bet is to keep focused on networking. Once you find a job, keep building your network. Collect business cards. Keep your smartphone address book up to date. Reciprocate with others and help them find their next job. This episode was based on an article of the same title, How to Streamline Your Job Search, that I wrote for LinkedIn. You can find it on the LinkedIn website. I say we have a couple of extra minutes, so let me address one topic that came up several times. That is the issue of age discrimination. This is a serious problem in job search, and even though we have some regulations that are supposed to protect at least those over 40, they are difficult to prove. And in the rare cases where they're enforced, the penalty is usually back wages, and as far as I know, there are never any punitive penalties assessed. Ageism is learned at an early age. Our parents warn us not to play with children who are older or younger. We pass through each grade in school with children born the same year. And we're taught to fear people who are much older than us. Then consider that most working adults use the workplace as their primary social network. So consciously or unconsciously, there's often a bias to hire people around the same age for purely social reasons. Now, we can't change that deeply held prejudice, but we can mitigate it by not volunteering age information. Don't provide information that can be used to calculate your age, like dates of schooling. Don't refer to your children or grandchildren in interviews. You know, sometime in my mid-30s, a good friend took me aside and told me, I should probably think about getting a more contemporary style of eyeglass frames, as the style I was wearing was at least a decade out of fashion. This isn't to say you should try to dress like a 16-year-old, but the safe bet is to mirror the contemporary fashion sense of a business-like 35-year-old and use that as your benchmark throughout your adult life. I hope you found the information in How to Streamline Your Job Search helpful. Please share this podcast with your friends and click the subscribe button with your favorite podcast host. The Public Record Podcast is a public service of the public record, the Coachella Valley's business news weekly. I'm managing editor Ken Allen reminding you to make someone's day with something nice to say.